You've seen the best. You've seen the worst. Now here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gayfesh, and I'll show you my two pair if you show me your whole card. And I'm Ari. Chill it out. Take it slow. And today we'll be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes Transfiguration and The Best of Both Worlds Part 1. We have finally gotten to our namesake. Yeah. And hi, Ari. It's so nice to see you. I know. This is so weird. <laughs> I keep looking down because like when I'm recording, I'm usually looking at my notes and I'm like, I don't have to think about yeah, yeah. people, but you're across from me today. <laughs> yeah. So we're actually recording this one together. I don't know if it'll sound any different, but uh, just trying this out today. It yeah. should be fun. So we're getting to the end of, actually, we are at the end of season three. So we're going to skip our usual small talk. And uh, once we get to the end, we'll just talk about the season as a whole. If you are feeling so generous, head on over to patreon.com slash rest of both worlds. Uh, for any amount, you will gain access to these episodes up to five days early and a spot on our Discord where you can submit ideas for our small talks at the beginning of each episode. And for the $10 tier... We will read your name out at the end of each episode. Nobody's taken that one yet. You could be the first. All right. So first, before we talk about Best Role Worlds, <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk about Transfigurations, which is the 25th episode of the third season. It first aired on the 4th of June, 1990. It was written by Renee Echeverria and directed by Tom Benko. This is such a boring episode. I was so bored. Remember, I texted you in the middle of watching it like, can't I make this go faster? <laughs> like, I thought Prime used to have a thing where I could two times it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said that and I said, yeah, that would make it more bearable. It's, and also, I think it might be like an episode that takes place over the longest period of time for any TNG episode. Because like the guy oh, was there for, for a month. Yeah. yeah. It was like we went through his whole physical therapy. Yeah. Um, the episode is they find a crashed pod and there is a dude who's uh, been in the escape pod and he's like badly injured and they have to nurse him back to health. He has full amnesia, but he's also got like E.T. magic hands. <laughs> <laughs> E.T. magic hands. He also had the cool zombie makeup where they show the teeth like because his cheek face was like was, yeah this was really gory makeup when we find him in the accident yeah. i was like that's like you, you would think if they were going to make it that gory they would have given him like alien green blood or something like that so it wouldn't look as surprised. graphic but it was pretty graphic yeah but since he has amnesia they just call him john doe which i thought was funny in all the time that's passed we haven't come up with a new fake name for people <laughs> well, it's, i mean like hospitals will usually use doe as a placeholder last name and then give people just different first names oh, do they? like yeah no. no it seems it's it's a good process although it does feel a little i don't know teaching you your proper christian name rather than right, cuz yeah. it's like he's an alien john probably is not a not name his in his name. species yeah. but the episode kind of i don't really know what the point of it is um, the only so I think one of the few points was that Beverly got like a romance plot, even though it was like this weird ethical. Should you be in this romance plot? Wesley, you know? Wesley's like, oh, I think there might be something more. And she's like, look, no, doctor patient uh, relationship always has it goes into murky areas where, you know, you, you kind of have like some blurred boundaries in the relationship. But she definitely had a twinkle in her eye. She did. <laughs> but you know what? She didn't have a handrail for physical therapy. When he's like, <laughs> he's been like bedridden for like a month and they're like, okay, we're going to put some bands around your arms and legs, which will help you walk. And so he just like stands up and is just like walking around a little bit with like no assistance. And mm -hmm. then she has to catch him immediately. And I'm like, where's the handrail? <laughs> I liked how he was doing pretty good. And then Picard walks in the room and Picard had to catch that's him. What it, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't. I thought that I thought his whole plot was boring. I was just kind of like, but but I do want to talk about. 
at the very beginning, well, there's two things I want to talk about at the very beginning. Yeah. First is Picard said the quiet thing. So I work in a school and you're not allowed to say it's quiet because like people will freak out at you because like as soon as you say it's quiet, everybody's like, what did you just say, Ari? Like, it's really weird. It's, it, you jinxed it. I did, but I actually did jinx it the other day. It was really quiet and I looked at somebody. I was like, hey, how come they aren't like freaking out at lunch like they normally do? 30 seconds later, that guy looks at me and goes, Ari! Because <laughs> they were like, literally like <laughs> running around. But he said the quiet thing and I was like, ugh. <laughs> So my favorite part of this episode had nothing to do with the glowy man. No. Um, so I've now decided, headcanon, Worf has a dating podcast. I've decided. <laughs> and so if Worf had a dating podcast, um, what do you think it would be called? Okay, you asked me this like an hour ago to I gave start you a little thinking bit of time. about it. Yeah. And I totally forgot to think of anything. But I, based on his comments in this one, I would think it would be uh, something to do with scent. Like... I know. I was uh, kind of. I was trying to come up with the scent one too. <laughs> love scent of love. Love, yeah. love sense or something like that. Like love sense. Like it's a like s e s e n s e. But it's spelled really sense. Good. Yeah. yeah. My joke. My mine was going to be the um, take my wharf, please. Because <laughs> I, I I love that one so much. Um, but I his dating advice, man. I was like, a oh no, it's going to be a Jordy like dating plot. I was like, oh no, I'm so scared. <laughs> Uh, it, it, then he's like, what was the other line? It's later. He's like, cause, uh, uh, data and Jordy are like geeking out over that little, um, uh, glass ball thing. And, uh, Worf is just annoyed cause they're talking shop at 10 forward. And he, he says, less talk, more synthahol. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I'd want to ask Worf all sorts of dating advice. I think I, I, I love his dating <laughs> advice. Cause I'm just like, I, I'm sure this works great on the Klingon females, but like this <laughs> dude, you were raised by humans. I, I'm betting you didn't have a girlfriend growing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, his advice was weird because Jordy says, well, what should I say or whatever? And he's like, it's not about the words. It's about how you smell. And I'm like, I guess, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. I, I loved it. Um, I just want, I have much to teach you about women. I wrote that one down. Yeah. Every um, time Worf tries to give love advice, I'm like, talk to anybody else. But then just thinking about some of the stories that he has in terms of relationships later on in like Deep Space Nine and stuff. I'm like, you know, uh, he's getting some pretty hot women. So maybe he knows something. Maybe he does know something. <laughs> maybe there's something about the Klingons that's attractive to people. <laughs> um, my other I want to talk about the thing that they did where they put a patch on Jordy's head yeah. and then they put a patch on the dying guy. And I think that was to stay him yeah, but it was like his magic like, it his like science. brain wasn't wasn't communicating with like his body systems to regulate everything so she's like i need to use jordy's brain waves to regulate it so that stabilize the patient i totally thought it was going to be a freaky friday because of that well they, they yeah. did as soon as they put it on there was like a big yellow glowing thing that went right into jordy's brain yeah so that would be a, a natural thought but instead it just makes him stop being an incel yeah, he gets more confidence, which I don't think he needed more confidence. He just got more easygoing. Like, I I don't know. Well, it's because at the beginning of the episode, Jordy is like trying to work up the nerve to talk to this cute girl. And like, it's clear that she's kind of into him because like yeah. she when she goes up to like get another drink, she's like, hey, Jordy, and like tries to chat him she up. She's cute, too. And he just <laughs> clams up and he doesn't know what to say. And it's that is a confidence thing. He's just like, you know, I think he just got so, two in his head about it. So did the guy heal him then? 
Like, I, was it from trauma? Like, maybe Jordy's had some trauma in his past so that that's what could... So then, because the guy heals everybody, so maybe when that light shot into him, it healed that trauma part of Jordy's brain that makes him not confident. Yeah, it could have been that. Um, I mean, because, yeah, as soon as he's, you know, uh, healed up, he, like, just goes and... Uh, chats up what was her name i think oh I, I forget too it was like christy henshaw yeah um and like she's just like oh hey jordy i was just going to the arboretum he's like oh well i'll take you there and he like puts out his arm and takes her in, <laughs> and I know. he's just really smooth and then like later Riker walks into the turbo lift and they're making out and it's like hey jordy good for you man <laughs> i know i know um I, I had i was i watched her put that thing on him and i was like oh no it's gonna be freaky friday right and i was like okay well we've had a couple of these right and and especially when he had amnesia. I was like, okay, so he's pretending to have amnesia or something. I don't know. That was what I thought this was doing. And then I was just bored to death for a long time. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, you weren't completely bored to death. We were given some unintentional eye candy. The guy's wearing just a white one-piece suit, and he's not wearing a dancing belt. Folks, if you're going to wear something skin-tight that's not black... Wear a dancing belt. Otherwise, you will see the entire shape of was, the whole package. I was disturbed. <laughs> yes, I was I was like, mm, don't want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was watching Crusher do the thing with the head and then bringing this guy back to life. And I had this moment where I was like, what in the Frankenstein is going on here? And then I was like, no, Dr. Cr- or Crusher is the Dr. Crusher's monster. Is <laughs> <You know> what- <laughs> But uh, we had a ton of medical techno babble. Like we don't always get medical. And you know, with with medical techno babble, like because we have like, I mean, obviously, like humanity doesn't really physiologically change in four hundred years. So they're going to use a lot of the same terms. Like a lot of stuff that you hear in there might just be the geekier parts of like an episode of House. Right. That's it. Kind of reminded me of House. Yeah. (laughs) Um. The uh, as it turns out, this guy was actually like uh, running away from like a fascist government because apparently his species is like on the cusp of evolving into turning like into a space baby. Turning into a space baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, or or trading in his his white one piece for a uh, a yellow morph suit. I couldn't remember what they were called, <laughs> but they, they it had like you could see the seam and yeah, everything it, on the top. I they, was like, they put a glow effect over it, but you're like, yeah, I can just. I, it's obvious you're just wearing a morph suit. I also can buy that for $10 at Spirit <laughs> Halloween, guys. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, when the, the fascist ship comes, it's like, oh, you must send him to us so that we can execute him. And, like, Picard is, in, instead of saying, no, he's uh, sought asylum on our place. We're not giving him back to him. He's like, well, we should p- consider this. Should we give him back to them? And everyone's like, no. No. I think yeah. <laughs> I think the big concern there was that the ship had like evenly matched the Enterprise in terms of armaments. So if they don't hand him over, it could turn into a thing yeah. where everyone dies. Yeah. And um, you know, Picard I mean, does... this is going to come up in the next episode too, because like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll 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 get there when we get there. Um, but they didn't really. It was like just the vaguest notions of like, um, I, I guess it was kind of like the X Men, right? Because he was like mutating into a higher yeah, being, and they yeah. were persecuting him. For well, that's it. why I was like, that's why I was referencing two thousand and one, because you know they're they're off to. That's the whole point of two thousand and one is this next evolution of humans. Yeah. But I that so originally I was like, oh, I wonder if he's gonna go off to be a space baby. That's what I call the end of two thousand and one. Pretty much did. I mean, pretty he... much did. As it happened, I was like clapping and like, yay, <laughs> space baby. <laughs> um, when Wesley walks in for the very first time with his ensign uniform on, I had forgotten that he had been. Um, promoted to ensign and i went ah! and when he walked in the room 
Oh, yeah. I just love this. I, I loved Wesley in this episode. I loved the banter between Bev and Wesley. Mm-hmm. Like, that was said. So, we don't get that enough. In the first season, we used to get that. And mm-hmm. then everybody didn't like Wesley or whatever. So they gave him less and less, it felt like. But we haven't seen Wesley and Mom have, like, Wesley and Mom. Well, you know, yeah, because with first season, oftentimes it was... Because Wesley wasn't on the bridge that much, uh, it was usually just uh, Wesley hanging out in sickbay with his mom. Right. Um, And then in season two, when she left the show, obviously they had to have Wesley do other things. And he's, you know, flying the ship now. Right. um, So at least he's... And attending huge board meetings. Oh, wait, I think that's the next episode. But I was surprised (laughs) to see him in there. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's nice to see their relationship. Uh, um, I, I like it every time that they interact. And I like that Wesley isn't like solely defined as being her son Mm -hmm. at this point in the show he's an officer on the ship i think that's really a benefit of having had her leave in season two yeah Yeah. i mean i i think ultimately i if you had asked me would i rather uh gates stay on for the entire seven seasons i I don't know the answer to that because i don't actually remember how much i hated pulaski Mm -hmm. i've actually been thinking about this a lot in season three i think that break gave me a chance to actually appreciate beverly even more as Mm -hmm. like a character as an actor you know that kind of stuff i just i look back on the pulaski time and i'm like okay it wasn't that bad it was just they didn't have to take away you know, Beverly to give me Pulaski. I would have actually enjoyed having Pulaski join the ship and have Beverly still there. Like that would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. But the only difference is they took away one of my favorite characters. So yeah. yeah. Um, after I, after uh, all after just killing off another of your favorite characters. I know. <laughs> um, so let's talk about O'Brien's totally tubular Taco Bell uniform. <laughs> oh my god that that just reminds me yeah because he walks in he's like has a kayaking accident or something and he sprained his shoulder uh, that that's kind of a thing that happens a lot on deep space nine i seem to remember he's always like actually coming. i had paused prime and they said trivia this is the first time but somebody says oh kayaking again and it becomes a recurring joke on ds9 is yeah. what the notes said but wesley's there and like wesley just like walks right up to him, he's like hey pal how you doing and slaps him on the shoulder <laughs> I've got to tell you, I had that shoulder surgery like in 2009 or whatever. People uh-huh. touch your arms so much. And you don't realize it until it's... Until, yeah. yeah. The doctor told me, he's like, you need to wear the sling even if it's not hurting because that tells people, don't touch my arm. You know, and I was like, oh, good point. Yeah. But yeah, that outfit was something I was like, what in the 80s just walked into the sick bay? <laughs> but I, I, so he's all, and, and I loved he was in the background they're having like, a discussion and he's like in the background going like, he's, he's in like, so much pain yeah, and he's like doc i'm dying out here but then the guy comes and et touches it and he's fine et touches him that's exactly what it was with even the glowing yellow light i didn't even it's, think it's about just, that it's a, it's a whole hand instead of the one like light bulb finger but it's still the same thing he has magic hands yeah magic hands <laughs> i was trying to think of what it reminded me of because i knew it reminded me of something and i was like is it star wars when like in the last movie ray can heal people i was like that's not it yeah. <laughs> and i was like what's it remind me of um, I love the whole time that he has his amnesia. He's like, I have to escape. I have to get off the ship. And we're like, does he? So we think he's like running away from something, but he's mm-hmm. actually trying to protect the ship, but he's just following like his gut instincts. And, but he, cause he doesn't know why because yeah, yeah. of the amnesia. That was one of the only few interesting parts of the, of his arc to me because he, the, I don't have amnesia, but my gut instinct says here that we're going to blow up or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? I thought that was interesting. And then he does, and then he kills Worf. Well, yeah, he kills, but, but he, <laughs> he heals Worf, too, so well, it's fine. Because Worf is Jesus now. Yeah. I'm yeah. Worf is Jesus. Um. I mean, I, I, I don't think... 
No, he can't be Jesus because I think one of the prophecies was that Jesus's bones were never broken and Worf broke his neck. Oh, I've never heard the thing about the bones. Yeah, I think that's specifically pointed out because usually like when they would uh, uh, later on in the crucifixion, they'd like break your legs so that you can't like uh, uh, push yourself up to, to breathe. Oh. And, but he died before they Every could do Every time I learn new things about crucifixions, I'm like, humans are terrible. Oh, yeah. crucifixion's <laughs> awful. It's a horrible way to die. Yeah. Um, I, I I feel like Worf's death would have been a lot more instantaneous, falling, what, three stories and breaking his neck? Yeah. But uh, then again, he's a Klingon, so he probably was conscious the whole time, just oh, feeling really? all of that pain, yeah. because they, you know, Klingon physiology is a little more robust than ours. But even <laughs> even then, like, you know... Uh, 200 pounds on your neck that uh, that won't be good no so there so this all happens he's running away he's trying to get to his escape pod they're like no you can't get escape and then and then his people come yeah and they're like give us that guy and this is like this has happened like 10 times now mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm just gonna give you the guy like <laughs> you know like and so they're like give us the guy and, and they're like no and i'm like well of course they're not gonna give you the guy because Beverly's crushing on him, you yeah. know, like, and so I'm like, okay, what's going to happen here? Like, I was like, what's going to happen here? Like, what's going to be different? Because I didn't, I could not, I had guessed that he was going to be a space baby, but my guesses aren't always true, yeah. you know? And well, so, and especially like a 2001 guess. Like, right, because my brain always goes there. Yeah, and so I was just like, nah, he's not going to, and then, <laughs> and then it happened. Like, he turned yeah. into this yellow glowing morph suit thing. My notes say, he's left to be a space baby again, all in caps. <laughs> but, and he did, he like, you know, Tinkerbell, Peter Pan, his way off the ship and just left. The coolest thing, though, was when he had his transformation, mm-hmm. he just, he put his hand out and he uh, uh, teleported the guy onto the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was, that was a cool effect. Although yeah. I noticed, like, as the guy gets pulled off the, uh, of his bridge onto their bridge, the background people don't react at all. There's, like, a guy who's just sitting there working on his thing. Oh, really? He doesn't I even, like, look up or anything. <laughs> Whereas we would all go, if somebody disappeared, yeah, you know, exactly. like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a little bit of Dr. Manhattan vibes in the morph suit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, just, I like, mean, we'll, we, we saw pretty much the penis anyway. I know. So. I think maybe that's why my brain <laughs> was there. <laughs> um, my, I mean, for like lasting what this episode could bring it, nothing other than we got to see Bev have a little bit of time. And, and this know? isn't even like the only time that Star Trek has done the storyline of, uh, uh, a species is evolving into a higher being and ascending to like an energy thing. Right. But like, what was the point of it? Like if the point was he's a persecuted minority, like an X-Men kind of a thing, then why spend the whole episode with him not even remembering it? It was like they tacked on the fascist oppression for like the last 10 minutes of the episode. If, yeah, yeah. And they didn't really say anything about it because like Picard was even just like, well, let's talk this out. And I'm like, you can't talk to fascists. Right, I know. <laughs> and I kept waiting to find out if he'd actually done something terrible. But the last time we saw this, I believe, was earlier in the season, right? Because we had that penal colony where all their only the only bad thing they had done was asked not to be murdered or whatever. And they had the teleporter that was killing them mm-hmm. basically kind of the same plot like it was kind of like there's these people no you got to give them to us or whatever and i was like okay th- i think maybe that's one of the reasons i was done with it you know i was yeah. just like okay okay so the stuff between john between bev and the guy was really cute john doe was yeah. really cute until uh, at the very 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 end after he's doing his whole i'm jesus i'm off to be a space baby everybody can join me thing he comes up to Bev and he has like an extra like moment with her mm-hmm. and they choose to cut to Jean-Luc for about two seconds. And he's like, got this look on his face like. What happened? You know, 
<laughs> and I was like, ooh, John Luke is mad that he's touching his lady. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, I I didn't really like this one. I was, no, yeah. it's it's uh, it's actually it's amazing. We just pulled 20 minutes out of it. I know that's true. Um, I was like, because as I was watching it, I was like, it's all going to be, you know, rest, best of both worlds, you know, Yeah. which we're going to talk about now. All right, here we are. We're here. I'm excited. We're going to talk about The Best of Both Worlds. It first aired on the 18th of June, 1990. Um, it was written by Michael Piller and directed by Cliff Bowl. Yes, we're here. We're here. Um, I, and I actually, because uh, I just got here when you were about halfway done with the episode, so I got to watch your yeah. reaction yeah. in real time. And, like, right at the end when he goes, Mr. Worf, fire. To be continued. You like hit the desk. You're like, oh come on! <laughs> I, I I I exclaimed the layout. What? <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I wanted to split them up because originally when I was I was scheduling everything out, I had both parts as one. But then I realized, no, we had to wait three months. You can wait a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want I want to capture that. Um, also because I kind of feel like the, the the two parts of the episode are kind of. They're, they're very different stories mm-hmm. um, because, like, they didn't write them all as, like, one complete whole. They wrote the cliffhanger, and then they were like, okay, we're on break for three months, then we'll figure it and out when we get back. And how are we going to end yeah. this? Yeah. So um, Best of Both Worlds is usually remembered for, you know, it's the the time that Picard became a Borg. Right. Um, but this first part is not a Picard story. This is a Riker story. It's a, all about Riker. And yeah. um, they introduce a new character, Shelby. She's uh, basically the Borg expert at Starfleet, and she's brought on because they found a colony scooped up, like the the Borg did in in like. The, I knew it was the Borg yeah. too. I, as soon as it have, as soon as they showed the big hole, I was like, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I knew it was a Borg episode. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Um, and. Uh, as, as we find out, not only is she a Borg expert, but she's gunning for Riker's job. Right. Because Riker has been offered captaincy of the USS Melbourne. And he's turned it down, but, like, not everyone knows that. And Shelby had heard, oh, well, he's leaving. Well, I want his job. Yeah. And so, like, basically, immediately, when she tells him that she wants that job, and he's like, oh, well, I wasn't leaving, th- that just immediately starts up some some animosity between the two of them, mm-hmm. some tension. Which I, I love. I love how much they play off each other, because... Uh, this this episode, I think, really threads the needle where Shelby could be unlikable, yeah, but isn't. Not, I like yeah, her a yeah, lot. I can too. I can see some people who might not like her, but she's not a bad person. She's not annoying. She's just very assertive. She knows what she wants. She's a little. She'll she'll step on some toes to get it. But that's kind of like Riker even talks to Deanna is like, what, what, what am I still doing here on this ship? Like, he says to Di- Deanna. Deanna. Yeah. And he's because that's why he's still on the ship uh, <laughs> well, on this ship. <laughs> but he he, you know, points out he's like, you know, the the uh, the, the the drive and the ambition. He's like, I liked those things about me. And here she has is showing them off and I'm getting annoyed at it. And like, you know, there's times where she's breaking the chain of command. Like she goes down, beams down to the planet without notifying him of the change. The original series set. Cause I have a point about that. I just want to like, like it was a very yeah. original series set. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. Cause it was like right at the edge of like the cutout. So I don't think they filmed it outside. Um, I, they did actually do an, uh, outside shot in the previous episode. I think they filmed it in like the Sierra, uh, oh. Nevada mountains, but, uh, no, yeah, this one was just on a set when they had a matte painting for the whole big scoop thing. Yeah. 
that and like when once we find out that it is the Borg, she like has a plan that she pitches to Riker and he says, Oh, it's Sasha separation. And he's like, I think that's too risky. She's like, Well, the captain should decide. And he's like, Yeah, I'll bring it to the captain. Well, she goes and brings it to the captain before him, and he's just like, Excuse me. Yeah, because he came into the room, right? Like, yeah, he, yeah. like he was in the ready room, or he yeah, went yeah. to go see Picard in the ready room, and she was in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I liked her. I thought I thought it was a, a a good like it was good for Riker. It was good for his character development. Yeah. I mean, this whole episode was a Riker episode. The like whole episode is a Riker episode, and I feel like the whole episode is a build to put Riker in the position where he has to make the hard call yeah. to kill Picard. And this time he actually makes that call. He doesn't yeah. find a magic like button that fixes it. No, he know? says like, Mr. Worf fire. But because and even Shelby, who Shelby's the most, you know, like uh, ambitious one who who will make hard calls. Even she's just like, no, we will we'll buy more time. We'll find another way. We'll go back. We can get Picard. And he's like, we don't have time. This is our only shot. We yeah. got to take it. The episode confronts Riker's complacency, mm-hmm. gives him a kick in the ass and uh, sets him up to be like, hey, uh. Look at me. You're the captain now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, and that and that's how it ends, you know? Yeah. Oh, actually, it doesn't end that way. First, Deanna has to say, hey, little guy, you can't go down there. Like, <laughs> you're yeah, in charge right. now. <laughs> that, I, think, I think it hadn't set in to Riker that he's the captain until... Uh, Deanna points out it's inappropriate for you to lead the away mission because right uh, Picard's not here, so you are the captain of the ship. Your place is on the bridge, right? And I'm glad that she was there to put him in his place. It had to be her because he wouldn't be. have listened to anybody else. And yeah. as soon as she said it, though, he's like, "Nope, you are absolutely right." Shelby, go on over. Yeah, and plus uh, she's the Borg expert. She's the Borg yeah. expert, and. Uh, you know, um, oh, and Beverly gets to go over and she's so excited to be on, she's on the like away team. She's smiling the whole time. I'm like, you are on a dangerous mission, ma'am. <laughs> you are know? literally, you're literally on a ship that I don't think has walls preventing atmosphere from escaping. I think they just have force fields <laughs> up because like the exterior shots of the Borg cube, you can see pretty far into the ship, like. Um, which I love the design of this cube because we were talking before the podcast about how like the design of the cube in the first one kind of looked like they had just taken like the frames of like model ships. Yeah. Uh, You know, when you just the sheets of of all the pieces, they would just like glue those those frames together Mm -hmm. to make it. But this one uh, has depth to it. They have like little green LEDs inside the model. It looks really good. But every time I see a board cube because of that, I'm just thinking, they have to have force fields up everywhere, and that's the only way that they have an atmosphere in there because the ship is just like a big open, open thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so last time we saw the Borg, which is the only time we saw the Borg, right? This is the second this time. This is we've the second the time we've seen the Borg. So when the first time we saw the Borg, did they assimilate, or is this no, something that's happened? This is something since new. Then this okay. is new. So they've continued to like grow or whatever. Yeah, and I think, or they hadn't decided on the design. They they hadn't yeah. finalized <laughs> the design. It's basically retconned after this point that that's always been the Borg's goal is assimilation. What about the adap- the adapting thing? I can't remember if they could um, do yeah. stay. Yeah, they way. could do that in okay. the first episode too. Okay, um, that was always a thing. But I think the original plan with the Borg and the first time we saw them is that they were just a single species, that, right. but they just all would cybernetically enhance themselves. From and they birth. weren't hive mind, right? They were all hive they mind. Were. They were always okay. a hive mind. They were always a cybernetic species, but uh, having them incorporate other species, I think that that was introduced in this episode. But it kind of gets retconned to be what they always were. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and that's the whole reason they want Picard, because they're like, why does he? Why do they want Picard? Why do they want Picard? And then I thought it was interesting that not once did Picard say, maybe I should just go over there. <laughs> I was like, I guess, I mean, 
It's because it, it, he knows it's not going to solve the problem, right? Like if he goes over there and they murder him well, or whatever. And also the fact that as soon as they get Picard, they immediately set course for Earth. But before they get Picard, they're like, they're because like the Enterprise is hiding in, in a nebula. Yeah. And they're like waiting right him. outside the nebula. Like, we, we got all we got all day. We can. Yeah. As soon as you show up, <laughs> as soon as you show up, we're going to get you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, obviously, because it was Picard that they wanted. They're like, OK, well, we can keep them away from, you know, other people in the meantime. Right. I liked that. I didn't like him like, oh, I want to go have a drink with him or whatever. But I liked that other starship captain guy that was like, like, because it made it more oh, like uh, military war. Admiral Hayes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah no, he's having a good, him there. He's yeah. one of the few times we see an admiral in Star Trek where it's not like he's not like a complete dick bag. I know. I know. I think that's why I liked him. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a obviously he's like kind of a character actor. I'm sure he plays military guys all the time. He's right. just kind of got that gruff demeanor, but like, you know, like a no nonsense kind of a guy, right. but you, yeah, you could, I, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's like amicable with Picard. They're like on a first name basis right. while, while they're talking. And yeah, uh, I, I like him. I think he comes back in the next episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He does. I mean, yeah. Cause he's the one that would be above Riker. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I just, mm, I love this episode so much. And yeah, you were you were talking about it too as we were watching the music in this episode. Oh my god! Like it's, I have not really pa- like I paid like I hear the music, yeah. you know. But this one made me stop and listen. Like it made me go, oh my god, the music's so good. And like when he turns around for the first time and you see like in the light and it like like you hear the very faint in the background Star Trek like uh, melody, yeah. you know, like that and the Borg theme in this episode. They the they use the synth choral. Uh, the thing you know that you would mm-hmm. get like on a Casio keyboard right. from, from the eighties, <laughs> uh, but it's just this da 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 da. Yeah, and it's I, I love that theme. It's so good. It's so creepy and eerie, and it's just playing softly when Locutus makes his big appearance and announces that you're all dead. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. And then, like you said, I I slammed my hand down because I was pausing <laughs> the thing, and then you were like. Put it back on because you need to hear the rest of the music. And I was like, oh, yes, the rest of the music. It was so good. And Didn't I, you say that Seth MacFarlane licensed Seth MacFarlane it? licensed it for use in an episode of Family Guy that I think like it was like either uh, uh, like the commercial break, the, mm-hmm. the, like a cliffhanger for the commercial break <laughs> or for like the end of the episode if it was a two part or something like right, that. Because yeah. Seth MacFarlane's a huge Star Trek fan. I right. mean, he, he made he made the Orville, which I've been hearing is actually I, I haven't watched it, but I've heard that it's actually like really kind of like a, a good Star Trek show. My husband likes it a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, he I, says I, it's I've, very progressive, which is weird for Seth MacFarlane. It but... just went on Disney Plus, so I've been oh, watching. Yeah, okay. I, I've, I've gotten up to like the fifth episode or something like that, where Charlie's we should watch it and do like a one-off episode that could be yeah yeah um so here's one of the things i want to say about how the fact that the 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 planet was like an original series set when they first went down Mm -hmm. um and i it was noticeable because we're getting less and less and less of those as as the time of of tng goes on they've been doing more location shoots or they've been building new sets right but at first i was like this is so stupid the borg are the technologically advanced like why are you showing us this old like i was like why and then i thought no that's on purpose because we are in the original series set looking at this kind of like what we're used to in Star Trek and the Borg are these, you know, they're technologically advanced in a way that even in 1990 would have been like scary. Yeah. Right. And like and there's a point where they're like blowing up like little WAPs 
uh, in the in the Borg ship, and I was like, that's not even really like something we knew about at that time, but that's basically what they were, yeah. you know. And I was watching all this, and I was like, they had that original series set in the first scene, so that we could like be kind of like jarred by the inside of the Borg ship, which we had seen before, but this time it was much clearer. There was more stuff. It wasn't all dark and smoky, you know. Like we could actually see the technology more. Remember, at this point, um, TOS ended after three seasons. Right. This is the third season right. finale. <laughs> so this and would we're be getting like- more. So this is this is the moment when people realized that TNG had surpassed TOS. Yeah, I not can just see in that. episodes. Uh, although I think um, we probably won't beat them in episode count until a little ways through through season four, just because their seasons this, were longer. Yeah, their seasons were longer back in the day. But um, th- this is the moment where it was not just this cheesy little show where everyone's wearing pajamas and and uh, sitting on cardboard. This was right. like a, a a proper good television drama. And you know, one of my favorite moments in the whole thing was uh, Picard is wanders into the empty 10 forward or I, I don't know if he knew Guinan was in there or not, but yep. he wandered into the empty 10 forward and he, she, he's basically like doing a tour of the ship because he knows they're going into battle. And she's like, don't they usually do that before failing battles or battles without hope or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it was cinematic, like a movie, like the beats of this episode follow more of a movie. Like, and, and that was like TV the calm show. before the storm moment. That was the, okay, steal yourself. This is all about to happen because I mean, I knew he was going to be a Borg. I've, I know who look, look is. I've seen the name before. Yeah. I've seen memes. I also have seen the movie with the Borgs where, yeah. where, but it was one time 20 years ago kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't really remember it, but I know when you first got here and I was still watching it, I was like, isn't, wasn't he like a Borg at one point? Like, you know, like, so wasn't that a whole movie I watched? <laughs> you know, <laughs> So it's not it's a little bit different than if I had watched it in 1990. Yeah. You know, a little bit. But it also I wasn't expecting like half of the beats, half of the like things that were happening. I wasn't expecting that good um, like exchanges between Riker and um, the pretty lady. What's her name? Shelby. OK, <laughs> yeah, Shelby. Um, I and I recognized her. I feel like I've seen her in other things, but I didn't actually look her up. But her she brought like a different energy than any other character. Mm-hmm. Like and that's what's good when they bring in um, guest stars that are different than yes. what we've seen before. If you just bring in like a Jordy clone or whatever, we're just like, all right, we already have Jordy. Yeah. You know, um, which was making me wonder which Star Trek next generation character do you most identify with? Like which one is the most like you? Um I would probably say Jordy. Um Yeah. I have usually been pretty shy in relationships. Um so I kind of like, you know, uh that appeals to me, you know, he's very like engineering minded. Yeah. I've always been a huge nerd. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say Jordy probably. I, I've been going back and forth. I've been thinking about this since I wrote this question down in my notes that I was going to ask you. And I, I think for me, I think it's got to be Wesley. I think I just I feel like even though I'm past 40, yeah. like I still feel like 
I'm still trying to prove myself to people. You know, I'm still a kid. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, I have adult kids, but I'm still a kid trying to figure it out, you know? And I think I, I just relate to him a little bit more than everybody else because, like, I could relate to Bev because she's a mom. Like, I'm a mom, you know? Like, I've, and I've been thinking about it. I could relate to Deanna because, you know, she has a lot of empathy, but she's also kind of useless sometimes. <laughs> uh, but speaking of De- Deanna, so I think I'd go with Wesley for my answer, but, like, maybe a morph between Bev and Wes. Like, kind of something like I, I think I'd be a crusher let, let me put it that way uh-huh. <laughs> um but I want to bring up a point about Deanna okay a, in this episode and it's not just that Marina Sirtis actually looked like she was gonna cry like 10 like every time we, I turned around every like the like 10 different times the camera was on her and she literally looked like she was gonna cry and I was like like she was like acting her heart out about this battle you know and I was like oh that's really cool but we had Wesley at his first poker game and, was that um, his first? I think he was at one previous. No, because they even talked about it being. The well, first he, one. but David said say he was a newcomer to oh, it. Yeah, but I assume I that meant. I think first. he was at like one other game. I could be mistaken, okay. but I don't think this was. So the they're first trying game. to teach him how to bluff and yeah, stuff, yeah. and then of course Shelby ends up calling Riker's bluff, well, and that's the whole point because Riker always bluffs and he always gets away with it. And yeah. here Shelby, the new character, comes and she's like, "No, you know what? I'm calling you on it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I loved her for it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I mean, and that's kind of like. Uh, a perfect encapsulation of what she is as a character for Riker. Exactly. Um, He's bright because everybody, every Riker himself and all the other characters on the ship have all gotten into comfortable patterns. And this episode took them out of those comfortable patterns for every single member of the crew. That's funny that, uh, uh, Riker says to Deanna, he's like, maybe that's the problem. I'm too comfortable here. And she's like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But my point about Deanna at the poker game is that woman should not be allowed to play poker. That is not fair. Oh, that's true. Because <laughs> um, she would always she turn it off? bluffing. I, I, I mean, she, maybe there's just, you know, ways that she can, like, passively, like, turn it off or right. something like that. I would hope. I would. I mean, I I think Deanna is, like, ethical enough that she wouldn't cheat. Well, I mean, she know? did <laughs> confront that other guy for using his empathic abilities to get, like, better business deals. Right. So yeah. she probably, no, she, I think she probably uh, I t- ties her brain behind her back for I the wasn't game. sure if she could. You know, like if it was a Sookie Stackhouse, everything's in my head right. type thing, or if it, in, or if she can always just like, I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, and right now I feel like you're pretty calm, right? Like I can read what you're reading, so hers is just like our feeling, and hers is just like enhanced, and yeah. she can't turn it off. But if she can't turn it off, she should not be playing poker. That's not fair. Well, <laughs> I should say she should always be able to tell when Riker's bluffing. Exactly. Like always. Like. I mean, they Especially have. Especially Bill. They have, they have a strong link. Like you know, the only people we've ever seen her able to telepathically communicate with are Loxana and Riker. Right. And that's significant because she's not a telepath; she's an empath, but she still can talk directly to Riker. I think it's the people she has the closest bonds with. Because yes. as much as her mother annoys the shit out of her, she she loves her mom and she's connected to her mom. And then of course her and bill yeah you know imzadi i guess <laughs> yeah um so i want to try to guess what's going to happen in the next episode okay <laughs> i don't have any guesses yet i've been thinking about it so the last thing that happens is Rager says you know mr warfire on the board cube or whatever yeah. you know and I let, it goes to black <laughs> very sopranos if the show just ended there <laughs> <laughs> That would have been so funny. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so if this was 1990 and I was having to wait till you know, the fall to watch this, like, what would I think was going to happen? Because, A, 
now in 2022, yeah. uh, the Borg are just a part of pop culture. Yeah. Because they were brought from this episode. And then this and is then, why they're pop culture. And then Seven of Nine made Seven everybody. Seven of Nine very, and First you know, Contact and all of that. Right. So. So this is it. This is the Borg. So nobody like that. We had seen the one episode before or where it just seemed like it was a random one off Doctor Who type monster. You know, yeah. we talked about them like kind of like we talk about the Romulans, you know, like being there. But we don't like sometimes they throw it out as is it the Borg, yeah, you yeah. know, kind of thing. But this was the first time we really had the Borg, you know, and I and so but for people in 1990, like they wouldn't have known anything about the Borg. I already know their hive mind. I already know like I, you know, you already know resistance things. is futile. Yeah. Uh, your yeah. Biological and technological distinctiveness will be added to our own. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so like it's a little bit different for me for me. But I've been like try, I was trying to imagine what it would be like to be like watching it and then have Jean-Luc turn around and say i'm locutus can i (laughs) add a little bit of what like around that time what you might have been thinking there was i think rumors going around that patrick stewart was in renegotiations on his contract i bet they put that out there they probably did on purpose that makes it better but for it to end with picard turned into a villain and then you're not sure if he's coming back next season like that gives it some some extra uncertainty right the, there. The closest thing that I can relate to on TV for that I had seen live when it happened was Buffy dying in season five mm-hmm. because they show the grave at the end and you're like, I went to the internet and this was like 2002 or whatever. It was harder to find yeah. like information, you know. And I went to the internet. And I'm like, is Buffy canceled? What is going on? Because I I figured that they were and they ended the show. She sacrificed herself for her sister. Blah, I kind of kind of feel like if the show had ended there and then we just treat once more with feeling as like an Elseworlds thing and nothing else happened, <laughs> I'd be okay, I'd be with, okay that. with it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I ran over to the computer and the computer said, no, they're moving to UPN. And so that was where that happened. But that's the closest thing I could relate to. You know, is like, oh my god, what's going to happen? Yeah, you know. Um, there's another show. Oh, oh, was it Battlestar Galactica? I think there's, I think one of their seasons ends on a really like, are all the colonists going to die? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like, was it the one where um, Kara shows back up? Is that the episode you're Ooh, thinking of? No, I think the one that I have in my head is remember how they find they find a planet and they lie to everybody and say it's Earth or whatever. And then there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the. Um, Toasters, mm-hmm. cyborgs. What are they called? Cylons. Cylons thank you. Um, and then there's like, and then at one point, because this, I had nightmares about this episode for weeks. There's a point where someone just holds a gun to Six's head and shoots her. Um, yeah. I think it was around that time. But I think this episode would had like set the tone for so much more because I think the Buffy episode, like I think this had a lot to. I think this influenced a lot. Star Trek. From this point on until Enterprise is canceled in 2005, every season since always ends on a cliffhanger. It's interesting because I sometimes get frustrated with that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've watched shows that do that. I don't I, like it now. I feel like especially because like most TV shows now, like you have a contained story within the whole season. Right. Versus these are like one off episodes. But then you have a two parter that you just have to wait three months between parts. It's a little different than if you have like a continuing story and then it ends on a big cliffhanger that you don't even know if like, especially on shows where it's like, are you getting renewed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just thought of the biggest parallel. Okay. Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Because it just ends with, did yes. we just lose? And then it like ends. This, yes. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Infinity War is the best of both worlds of, of 
uh, yeah. our time, I guess. I think so, because it's a different tone. The yeah. two episodes are two different tones, because you said the next episode yeah. is a different tone. I think, I think, I would, I would guess that, I mean, even if they weren't deliberately, like, paralleling Best of Both Worlds, I think this, this episode probably set sci-fi franchises up to be able to do this. This is... Yeah, I think the the cultural impact of this episode can't be understated. I don't even know how much the cliffhanger episode was a thing before Star yeah, Trek. I don't remember it being a thing until the 90s because they were trying to make you come back and watch yeah. a show. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before that, they it was just TV that was going so that you could have something to entertain yourself when you were at home or whatever. There wasn't these long running arcs, right? Yeah. And so there wouldn't have been cliffhangers. You know, I'm trying to think of shows I watched from the 80s, but most of them are sitcoms, so they don't usually have cliffhangers anyway. So I can't think of any, like, shows from the 80s that I, because 80s shows weren't very good. No. Yeah. But I think this is, like, I think it's a, you know, and sci-fi tends to be the type of show that will end on a cliffhanger. Yeah. You know, and then there's the opposite effect that Buffy did, which is... There will be a big bad. We will have Monster of the Week for most of the season, but there will be these hints of the big bad, but the big bad will be defeated by the end of the uh, the season. Yeah. And that set a tone, because Doctor Who, the reboot, followed that tone. He said, I just it, stole it from Buffy. every you know? CW Arrowverse show followed the Buffy formula. Right. And so that was a new formula, because before that, I think, I think this episode if I was to guess, probably started a whole rash of that, you mm-hmm. know? And then Buffy came along and said, why don't we not leave people on a cliffhanger? But then my thought is, if I remember correctly, during the time that Buffy was going, they were constantly like, are we going to have a show next season? Mm-hmm. So they couldn't leave it on a cliffhanger. Right. Because let's talk about one of my f- most frustrating watching experiences of my entire life is Carnival. Um, it's one of those HBO shows that they canceled when they were canceling things yeah. without finishing them. Uh-huh. And they did that. They left the second season on a cliffhanger thinking that we were going to get a third season. HBO canceled it. And I have never found the resolution to one of my favorite shows that's ever been made. I've watched it through like 10 times. It's such a good show. Usually stuff like that, like the the uh, the showrunner will like, I don't know, maybe do like a comic continuation oh, to finish I it off go see if there's see if something, something like yeah. that because i know because well could and you I, imagine if this just ended here though like if this is where tng ended yeah. and you were like but what's happened to jean-luc <laughs> you know you've seen galaxy quest right yeah the, in galaxy quest they ended on a cliffhanger Oh, like the they? show got canceled on a cliffhanger and it was that, a cliffhanger that, yes, like this yes. because it was like they're about to be destroyed. And then uh, the captains like activate the Omega 13, which was like a super weapon that was always like talked about in secret, but they didn't know what it did. Yeah. And nobody knew because the episode ends and then that's the right. show got canceled. And that's got to be a direct parallel to this well galaxy you know? quest is a star trek right, show right, it's just yeah. objectively a star trek there was like a, a, a star trek convention where they were like ranking the movies from best to worst and galaxy quest plays like fourth. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um yeah i love that movie i should go back and watch it now that i've watched tng because uh-huh. i probably see all the references and stuff but there's a lot know? there's a lot more uh, tos in that one too especially with um tim allen's character yeah he uh, was very shatner he's very shatner yeah so I'm, I said I wanted to try to guess what happened in the next episode, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm still kind of like I'm. I said that, and then I'm like kind of like thinking about it. Um, I mean, I know that we're getting Picard back. That's that's why I was talking about the differences right. between me and like someone watching in 1990. Yeah, you know. 
So I know that he's going to get cured somehow. Mm -hmm. I don't know how. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, you were sitting here when the away team beamed back to the Enterprise, and I said, why didn't they just take him with him and try to cure him on the Enterprise? But you pointed out he had that force field, right? So there's got to be a way to cure him. I don't know how it works. I know 709 exists. I don't know what her cure was. But I'm assuming that... I don't know, because the Borger headed straight for Earth. The last thing that we heard was that that Admiral guy or whatever was going to try to intercept them at such and such and make Wolf their 359. last... Wolf 359. Remember yeah. that. Okay. Wolf 359 is actually probably one of the most... I, I can't I can't say too much. You'll, you'll, Wait, you'll see, you'll, I think I have a friend that has that in their username on like Twitter, and I didn't even know what it Wolf was. Wolf 359 yeah. is like... that. That is a Star Trek... Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. A, that's a big thing. <laughs> so yeah, they're gonna meet them there, have the last stand. So yeah. like, either we'll defeat them through, but we don't have technology that's as good as them. Like, so I was thinking maybe it'll be like, let's go back to the Revolutionary War, let's steal their cannons. You know, like <laughs> I mean, I'm like, okay, what are we gonna do here? You know, yeah. like I've I've been trying to think about it because you can't use technology to beat the Borg because they have way better technology than the Federation would ever have, is what it seems. And they adapt. And they adapt immediately. Like, we saw it in this episode over and over and over again, like, pretty much immediately, like, faster than Doomsday. It was just like, oh, wow, okay, they already, you know, they already did it. The other thing is they don't, and this is what makes the Borg scary, is that they don't give a shit if they die. Yeah. Because they're just one of a hive. You know? When a Borg drone dies, they're just like, all right, let's collect it for parts. Yeah. Yep. And so, like, you don't have any, like, if you shoot at them, they're like, whatever. We got we got yeah. thousands of these dudes. Yeah, and we can just go to a planet and make more, yep. you know? So that's what makes them so scary is the assimilation. Yeah. That is what is so scary. Because, I mean, like, in Star Trek First Contact, uh, Alfred Werder's character describes them as bionic zombies. So Yeah, that's a good description. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one with um, Farber Hoggett? Is yeah. First Contact? Yeah. Okay. Um, but so like, I think that, I think my guess is that, um, is that Picard is going to somehow fight the programming because he's Picard, you know, and he's, he's the main character, you know? Um, so somehow Picard is going to Picard, you know, because Star Trek is half magic and half science. Like, so it's, it's, you know, that Doctor Who episode with, um, James Corden, uh, the 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 housekeeper or the in like, yeah the, the, the doctor moves in with James tenant. Corden the yep. tenant yeah yes. um, and it turns out it's Cyberman and they're trying to turn James Corden into a Cyberman but he loves his baby too much or something and um, it's like what was the baby's name Stormageddon Stormageddon Dark Lord thank of you all. thank yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is the second James Corden episode because the baby exists because yeah. the first one he didn't even have the girl yet mm-hmm. but he ca- and then they're trying to turn him into Cyberman trying to turn James Corden into a Cyberman and he defeats them with the power of love that is how I'm expecting this to go I'm actually like like Picard is going to be like I don't know he's gonna see the Enterprise or Will or something and he's gonna like fight the programming that's what I'm guessing I don't know if it's true maybe Deanna could get in his head I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm liking all of your guesses so okay. I know you can't say anything I, yeah, you're I can't try- say anything but I, it's I, so funny I'm telling this in person because normally I wouldn't be able to you see wouldn't your see face, my face but yeah. I, yeah. you're doing a very good job of staying blank over there <laughs> um, and then so he'll fight it somehow and then he'll even if it's like small subversive like fighting it inside of him because he's Jean-Luc and then you know, the, the Federation will come together and then somehow we'll push the Borg out a little bit until they come back later. Because obviously they're going to continue to be a reoccurring villain at yeah. this point. So I think that's my biggest guess. I mean, I other than that, I'd like to see Riker be the captain for a while. You know, maybe for like the first half of the episode. <laughs> you know, I'd like I don't want it to just be as soon as we get back to the other to the next episode. It's like, oh, Riker's, you know, back to Riker or whatever. I want to see that character change become permanent, mm-hmm. you know. 
The other thing I'm also interested to see is how it affects Picard on a long-term basis. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, I've seen the Borg movie, the one with Picard, but it was 20 years ago, a long time, and I only saw it once. So it's, I'm interested to see now that I know, I feel like I know Jean-Luc Picard as a character pretty well now at the end of three seasons. I feel like I might be ready. You know, like I think I might be ready to see him change and not just from the I'm not a dick to kids anymore thing, you know, because that's really the only character development we've seen in Picard. Is that he's warmed up to Wesley. He's warmed up to Wesley and he see he, he instead of being like, this isn't a family, it's an office or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, like he's like, this is a family, this is my ship, you know, like kind of thing. And so I'm interested to see and I feel like of all the things that's happened to Picard, like he's had some really interesting things happen to him, like being born, like being beamed into nebula clouds by the traveler and stuff. Like yeah. he's had some really cool stuff happen to him that hasn't really affected him as a person. But this is a very invasive trauma. Very. Yeah. Um, And he's like, when Locutus shows up, you're like, that's not Jean-Luc talking. That That is a different person talking. Yeah. Like his entire personality was not him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to be taken and violated in such a way, to be stripped of your free will, there has to be lasting repercussions. Be, right? That is a huge trauma. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think of all of this, that would be the most, for for me, It there's, I think the two lasting biggest parts of this episode will be the Borg, obviously, and then how it affects Jean-Luc, what he goes through. And well, we get an entire movie, right? Because of, because is, because is the movie connected to this episode? Is yes. this why the movie exists? Uh, okay. Well, it, the movie exists because it, it's a uh, another Borg thing, okay. but it definitely ties into this episode. We yeah. even we get flashbacks to this episode. To this in episode, that movie. Yeah. okay. Um, yeah, so that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, I, I I don't know that it'll be true. I don't really have a lot of guesses. Like the way that they left it, they left it where they're not leaving you anything. Yeah. I mean, it says fire, Mister Worf. So I'm assuming they're going to fire. Mm-hmm. You know, but last time we fired on a Borg cube, it did like a little tiny bit of damage, and then it just undamaged itself with reverse camera footage so (laughs) i am interested to see what shooting the borg ship like with the captain on it does that one ship isn't gonna kill jean luke you know like like one blast to the thing where he's not dead you know i know that you know so you you have the benefit of of about 30 years of star trek after that to know that jean luke picard (laughs) is in fact still alive exactly um but i'm excited Mm -hmm. i think this is such a it's such a good end of the season. Like, I'm looking back because that's we were going to talk about the season. Yeah. So Yeah, let's do a retrospective here. Um, so now that we're here and we're at the end, I'm, like, thinking about the episode, you know, like we've done for the other two seasons and, like, thinking about how it ended it. Yeah. And um, I think that's the thing. These writers are so smart. Like, they are creating things that didn't cre- that didn't exist before in television writing. Yeah. So they're giving us the slow character development that gets tested by the end of the season kind of thing. Not necessarily the big bad like in Buffy, but we're getting these like small bits, small bits, small bits. And then everybody was tested in this episode. Deanna was tested. Riker was tested. Jean-Luc was tested. Even Guinan was tested because she was her whole entire race was killed by the Borg, mm-hmm. you know? And we, we start to see more like permanent character changes in this uh, in this show. Like, um, which I think is the whole point of that why am I still here, Deanna, conversation. It was yeah. to make us look at him and go, oh, he has become it, complacent. It, We've become complacent watching the show. Well, and, and it's kind of one of those things where it, it becomes awkward the longer that Riker doesn't move on from a first officer's position because he's fully qualified to be a captain. Right. But even in the movies, he's not a captain. 
Yeah. He's, even in the movies, he's still just the first officer. And well, because he had to get off the ship because you don't usually have two captains, right? right? Well, and and in Star Trek VI, uh, Sulu was captain of his own ship, and because of that, he's not in most of the movie. He's like at the beginning and at the I end. I remember that now that you say it, but I assumed that was some sort of scheduling conflict. Uh, well, it may just be. <laughs> he probably jumped at the chance to not have to be on set with uh, William Shatner. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's one of those awkward things where. Yes, naturally, these people should be moving on with their careers, but it's a cast of a show, and they right. all have to stay together, so you have to find a way to like explain why that is. Right. Um, but it's good that, you know, they interrogate it, and mm-hmm. here Riker has to interrogate, why isn't he taking his commission? Why isn't he going on to the Melbourne? He's, because the character, I can't yeah. remember her name, what's her name? Shelby. Shelby. She is... Here to make him, she is literally walking around holding that mirror up. She's to his a foil. Face. Yes, yes. She's literally a foil. Yeah. Um, and it's not just in this episode that we get stuff like that. Worf had like we haven't even seen the full impact of what that was, but since of the father when he's uh, excommunicated from uh-huh. Klingons homeworld, that that informs his character for the rest of the show. Oh, like. Because we haven't seen any follow-up yet. We haven't seen any follow-up yet, but, like, you know, he used to be, like, the head of a prominent house on Kronos, Mm -hmm. and now he's excommunicated. Like, you're going to see, like, you know, what that means for him as a person, what that means for Federation uh, Klingon relations, and uh, it it was such a big change, because, like, usually, like, a conflict like that, they would resolve it by the end of the episode, but the end of the episode, the resolution is, you're out. Right. And... That's where it ends. And so to, to see things like that, and then we had uh, Wesley get promoted to full ensign at the end of an episode. There's like big, serious character changes that we we see happen. And I appreciate that they do that instead of just ending, going back to the Simpsons status quo is destroyed or everything is status quo, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I think that I was just thinking while you were talking about that, that one of the things that is happening in the show now, especially in season three, now that we've got the writers know what they're doing, they're established, we have these characters, we know who they are, no more origin stories, you know, that kind of stuff. Have we ever in television before, like we said, we didn't watch a lot of TV in the 80s, but is this the first time that we had an ensemble show where they would start to have episodes that were focused on one character? Probably because um, I can't think of other ones before this, uh, you know. Yeah, I would. I would have to go back and watch even other shows. Toss, even the toss. That's what it's called. But even toss. the original series, <laughs> even even the original series didn't have that. It no. was always just the ensemble, and Shatner was kind of the lead singer. I, I think, you know? yeah, Shatner was the star of the show. Um, I, I think like the animated series got into a bit of that. There's like one episode of the animated series that Kirk isn't even in. Spock's the main character. Oh, interesting. And Spock gets a lot of focus episodes in, in the original series too. But um, like there's an episode where there's a virus that affects all the men or something like that. Or there's like some siren being that controls all of them. So the women have to take control of the ship. So it's like a Uhura and Chapel episode. Yeah, interesting. And um, yeah, the original series didn't really have that. But with the animated series, they're like, hey, you know what? We can we can, we can do more. Right. Do more things. Yeah. So I like that, too, because because there's there's two things like in this retrospective that I'm thinking about. One is this seems to be like history making for television. Yeah. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And then there because like this is in this in you said third season is really where people think, you know, next generation starts to take off. Like mm-hmm. it starts with second season growing the beard and then yep. we get to third season. And it really starts to take off. 
And if that's the case, and based on this season, and they continually have gotten better and better and better, that I can't wait to see what happens in four and five. I maintain that four and five are the best of the show. Yeah. Um, I think they start to lose some steam after that, but like Most four shows f- do. Yeah. You know, Th- that's why I think shows should have like a finite lifespan. Like I remember I gave up on Smallville. I had been watching that show for like 10 seasons. And I I'm just like, he's never going to put on this suit. Yeah. So I would just quit until like they ended it. And I'm like, all right, I'll watch the finale so I, I can see too. him in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to see him in the suit. Yeah. I did too. Oh, and I, I tuned in for the Jonathan Kent dying episode because I, that's one of my favorite parts of Superman is mm-hmm. that story. Yeah. But um, it it's, I like there's people get like mad when shows end, but like the something that I'll bring up because we're talking about like sci fi in the 90s is that people would always say that one of the reasons that Babylon 5, which I haven't seen, is so good is it had a five year plan. Mm -hmm. They knew what they were doing, they planned it all out, and it wasn't like they were just trying to, oh, we got another season. What story can we do this season? Like they had an actual plan. So did The Good Place. Yeah. So did Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And they ended in good places because they, instead of like, I like The Office and I actually like the last few seasons of The Office. Mm -hmm. Most people don't. Most fans don't. Once Steve Carell leaves, they're like, oh, whatever. It's so stupid now. And I'm like, but in my opinion, some of the best episodes are in there. Um, But it's that thing where it just kind of keeps going. And you're like, but naturally, maybe it should have ended when Steve Carell, you know, like, or naturally it should have ended here and they keep going. I think it's good when shows have an ending, Yes, you know, and um, instead of just trying to be like, well, what are we going to do? Like with Voyager, when I was watching the Voyager TV, like I, I had I was watching it in syndication to watch the older ones. And then it was coming on live as well. Yeah. So I remember thinking, well, they have to get home at the end. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, Interesting. I think there was actually a debate in the writer's room about whether they would ever actually get home. And they did. Right? They I, did. If I remember. They right? did. Yeah. But they I think they were they were debating it. They're like, what if we don't? But uh, I don't think anyone would have been satisfied with that ending. Like that's. That that's like a that's like a how I met your mother ending where he ends up with Aunt Robin instead oh of the God. mother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like I think like twists like that work for, in the middle of a story, but like if you have a long running thing with people who are invested in it, you don't want to have an unsatisfying ending. Right. <laughs> you, exactly. Like even if you think, oh well, this is creatively different. This is different than what we do. Okay, but there are reasons certain things have become tropes, and there are reasons certain things are expected. You want a happy ending or, uh, you know, like a bittersweet ending. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't want it to end in an unexpected way that leaves nobody satisfied just because it's something different. Don't do that. So I brought up The Good Place, and I just want to say this since we're talking about about show endings. Mm-hmm. I do not watch the final episode of The Good Place. Really? I, I've watched it through two or three times now. I watched it the first time I watched it through. The reason is I would never... Like, I am not in the mindset that I could ever walk through that door. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, um, Tahani. Uh, Tahani does. So, so yeah. I would be Tahani, but it makes me too sad because I'm basically watching all my favorite characters. I love those people. Those characters are amazing. Literally, I, right behind me are I pop figures of Chidi and Eleanor. I yeah. was crying so hard in that episode when I. Re- oh, I The, the so moment bad. when Jason realized he was done. I just I just broke down. I yeah, was just so like, you're, my eyes are doing the thing. Yeah, um, and and so now when I rewatch it, I skip it because it's too sad for me. Because it feels like it doesn't feel like they're moving on to a good place. They're moving on to not existing anymore, which actually has been really scary for me my entire life because I was raised in a weird Christian household yeah. and like so I had this fear of like hell and everything. Oh, yeah. But like I'm actually a little bit more scared of just ceasing to exist. 
you know, I don't know. It weirds me out, you know? It's the unknown. It's the, un- yeah. Um, yeah. I, then- I don't have that fear myself. Like, I I have that mindset where, like, if I fall asleep and I don't wake up, I'm at peace with that. Because you won't know. I won't yeah. know. Um, but then, like, I brought up the Sopranos ending earlier. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody hates it. I love that ending. I think it's a brilliant ending. Yeah. It's not the most satisfying ending, but it's not a bad ending. And it definitely, it was so impactful. Like, it kept the conversation going i wasn't it watching wasn't the show, like a game of thrones ending where like that ending was so bad that it killed the audience goodwill from the last seven years right um, there's a, a a spinoff i think that premieres uh as we're recording this i think it I'm, premieres tomorrow really yeah i'm so sad matt smith is in it because you know <laughs> i don't like game of thrones and he's one of my favorite like sci-fi I'm, I'm gonna give it a shot we'll see yeah. I, I know that that uh the uh the writers for uh game of thrones are not involved um so that's that's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just saying all of this to talk about how much all of this is because of, re- of best of both worlds. Yeah. Like I'm bringing up all of these things to talk about how like interesting it is from like a television history standpoint yeah. to watch this episode, see that cliffhanger, watch the evolution of the show, watch the evolution of the writing, the characters. And at this point, I believe you said Gene Roddenberry is kind of out, right? Yeah, he's he's got an office, but he's got health issues. And I think well, Rick- he's dying really soon. Right. If I remember correctly, I 91. Think, yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah, I was looking at Majel Barrett when I forgot she was married to him. Remember? Yeah. And it was like married to him through 1991. I was like, oh, did they get divorced or did he die? You know, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he dies in season five. I think that would probably be it. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I know he was, like, aware of Deep Space Nine's development, but he died before it came out. And did Deep Space Nine start before Voyager? I thought it came after Voyager. It came before Voyager. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, I'm really excited to see where it goes. You know, I I am... I don't even know. Like, usually I want to watch the episode right before we talk about it because I want to see it, but I'm, like, tempted to watch the second half here when we get done. (laughs) But I'm going to make myself do the cliffhanger until next week because you asked me to and because everybody else on the planet had to do it, too, you know? so We waited three months. You can wait a week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Did you watch this one live? Were you watching it live when it aired? Um, I don't remember if I was uh, because I was, like, five at the time, so I don't have, So you don't know if it was, like, syndication when you saw it for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Like, I I don't have, like, a strong memory. Do you remember your first reaction to it? Um, no, I think, I I think it may have been a thing where I had just seen them both in syndication. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, like, I don't have, like, a strong temporal sense of when things came out as I was watching them. Yeah, because like I was you a said kid in another time, episode, it was just you were like, on. it was before you started Foreign Memories, Star Trek just existed. Yeah, yeah, so it was always on, so I didn't really have like a strong delineation of where the seasons were. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering because I the other thing that it left me with when I slammed my head down and said what, you know, was <laughs> like, what other shows have done this to me? What other shows have made me feel the same amount of stress? Uh-huh. You know, like I was watching it feeling stressed. I think you saw me. I was like, I was doing my foot at one point, you know, and I was like, what other shows have given me this amount of stress? It's and I thought it's the mutiny episodes of Battlestar Galactica. Do you remember so those good. two? I was sitting so on good. my bed, like clenching my blankets. Like, what's gonna, are they going to airlock Gata? What is happening? You know, like and I and now, and that I thought of that one immediately when the two B continued came up because. I was never as str- I think I was never as stressed about an episode of TV as I was about that mutiny episode. Mm-hmm. I was like, 
It was, they just wrote it in a way that made you care. And they wrote this episode and this season, so many of the episodes they've written in a way that makes you care. Yeah. Um, there's like, I mean, there's, I'd say a handful this season where we were like, bleh, you know, we didn't like this one. Like Transfiguration right. is kind of. Yeah. Eh. And, but other than that, like, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's everything for today. We'll be back next week when I've watched the second part. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us. I'm Ari. And I'm Gayfish. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service. We're on Twitter at Rest Both Worlds. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash worlds for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode.